talk about David. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for, once again, the gathering where we can come and celebrate who you are and all the things that you have done for us. And, and God, truthfully, we should be here all day doing that very thing. As we gather together, we open up your word. We're going to learn about one of your servants. He called himself a servant. We're going to learn about one of the men in his life, and it certainly was not perfect. But in more than one occasion, he, he's a man after your own heart. So help us to understand that today. Help us to be motivated to become like Jesus as we follow the example of David. Speak to us, God. Meet us where we are. Amen. You know, in conversations about David, it, it comes up often. He, he's a man after God's own heart. And, 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 we, and we know that, right? And that's why, we, that's why we, we, we say it. We throw that around in conversations often. And, and here's the thing about David... We got we got to figure out what's that even mean, you know? Like, have you ever thought about that before? Like, like he's a man after God's own heart. Well, what in the world does that even mean? We've said it before. Said it a couple weeks ago. David is one of the most influential people uh, in all of Scripture, and the Bible is certainly full of people who are influential. Uh, all these people have a part to play in God's story. But you think about David. In the, in the, the scope of, of his life and what it means in Scripture. Abraham had 14 chapters. Abraham's called a, a friend of God. He had 14 chapters. Father Abraham, very important figure in Scripture. Jacob had 14 chapters dedicated to his life. Elijah 10, Joseph 12. And, 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 and you think about all these people who are great biblical examples for us to live our life by. And then there's David. He had 66. He had 66 chapters, passages of Scripture that are dedicated to his life. His name is mentioned over a thousand times in Scripture. Only Jesus is talked about more. So what does it mean? This man who is so influential, who has talked about so much, what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, in your Bibles, if you will turn with me, we're going to be at a couple places. First uh, Samuel 13, it's going to come up here on the screen. First Samuel 13, 14 is the first place we see this. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now, this is a conversation between the prophet Samuel and King Saul. Saul's main offense is that he did not seek the Lord's favor and he did his own thing. And if you read that story, that very verse is mentioned in there that you did not seek the Lord's favor. Saul and his armies were victorious time and time again. But you want to know what Saul would do with his, with his earthly power? He would do his own thing. He would not wait on God's timing for things to happen. God would give the command, I want you to wait on Samuel to come do something. And Saul would do his own thing. 
And so Samuel here informs us, your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Chapter 15, Saul again does his own thing. And Samuel confronts him on it. And this is Saul's attitude when you study through this. I I know I did my own thing, but, but I'm still making sacrifices to the Lord. Saul was negotiating with the Lord. He justifies his actions. He's like, hey, Samuel, you know, I, I know there's this seven-day wait period that I'm, or this, this period that I'm supposed to wait on you, but the men were getting restless, so I went ahead and, and did my own thing. I went ahead and offered the sacrifices to God, and Samuel's like, yeah, you don't listen to them. You're not doing your own thing. And Saul's like, but here's, here's why. Hey, I've got a reason over here. And Samuel's like, it doesn't matter what your reason is. God said to wait, and you didn't wait. But, but, but here's, the, here's the thing, Samuel. Here's why I did it. Yeah, we, we've gone through this already, Saul. We, we know why you did it, but you did not wait on God. And the Samuel, or Saul, is negotiating. He's justifying. Well, he goes, well, what if I do this? Can I come back with you and worship God? Can I, can I come back? I've got to ask you, man. I've got to thinking about this. You ever try to negotiate with the Lord? Uh, you, you, ever, you ever sit there and, and in your prayer life, you pray the scenarios out? You've got, you got the thing going on? Lord, if you just give me this, Lord, if you do this, I will fill in the blank. Yesterday, there was a certain football game on. And just about the five-minute mark, just under five minutes, there's a team, um, they're they're wearing like this hideous color. Um, I stare at it every Sunday. Um, They had the ball. And they're driving the field. And I out loud, spoke these words. Lord, if you just give us a turnover, I will not brag at church tomorrow one time. Lord, if you just give us a turnover right now and give us the ball back, I I will not like I'm part of the us, like I'm part of the team, but if you'll just give my team the ball back, I will not brag, I will not gloat. When Mr. Jimmy's there, I will welcome Mr. Jimmy in, and I will say a word to Mr. Jimmy. Two plays later, the team with the hideous colors, they punt the ball to the team wearing navy, navy and all. I mean, the, the sky is lit up, all of Like, this is our moment. You ever negotiate with the Lord? You ever, you, you ever say, Lord, if you do this, I will do this? Basically what Paul is saying, hey, I'm going to do what I, what I want to do here in the battle. Like I, the day-to-day battles, I'm going to do what I want to do, but hey, you know what? Then I'm going to show up to church on Sunday mornings and worship you and tell you how great you are. And it's not coming up on the screen, but this is, this is some of Samuel's final words to Saul. 
Samuel replied to Saul's response, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than all the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Don't miss this. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. God has rejected Saul as king because of his lack of personal obedience. There's one command given to Saul. Wait on the Lord. And in the moment of uncertainty with his men, he's like, I'm going to take actions into my own hands. And then, I'm, I'm going to justify. I'm going to negotiate. I, I still want to go to the worship services because the worship services are corporate and, and all the people will be together and, and, and the whole kingdom will see me with you, Samuel, the messenger of God, they'll see us worshiping together. But over here in my private life, when, 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 when I get to have influence on men, you, know, you want to know what I'm going to do over here? I'm going to do my own thing. And so God said, that is why He has rejected you as king. And so as a result of that, Samuel, who thinks he's retired, he's wanting to check out and go on to you know prophet land and, and do whatever prophets do when they retire, God said, nope, I got one more trip for you. You're going to go down to Bethlehem and you're going to anoint the next king of Israel. And we read this a couple weeks ago, 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Church, up to this point, David has not been publicly selected to be king. And twice, the heart of the man has been considered. So what's it mean? What's it mean to be an act, a man after my own heart, God's own heart? Well, jump to the New Testament. We're going to look there. Acts chapter 13. Luke is recording everything that's going on with all the apostles. Paul is on the scene. Paul gives us a little insight here. He's, he's in Antioch, right? He's visiting the synagogue. He just shows up, right? Like they, they, Paul and his companions, they get to, they get to Antioch and they're just, they're just going to go to church. And, and so they're there at church and there's all the ceremonial events of the morning. The, the rabbis have done everything that they, they've done and they, they see Paul, the guest minister, right? Like we see this in churches all the time. Brother, so-and-so's with us today. Hey, will you close us out in prayer? Or do you have some words for us? Well, that's what they did to Paul. Paul, you got any words of exhortation? Paul, do you have any, any encouragement for us? Paul's like, yeah, give me that platform. I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do. And he starts preaching, man. He starts rolling out. And he preaches. He's basically giving a history lesson on the people of Israel leading up to Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And as he's walking through the generations, this is what Paul says. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found 
David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And then this is added. He will do everything I want him to do. Verse 23 says, From this man's descendants God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. So what's it mean to be a man after God's own heart? I'm going to give you two major characteristics. Okay, short and sweet. We're almost done. Two major characteristics of being a person after God's own heart. Number one is humility. Appreciate all of you Crimson Tide fans practicing humility this morning. It's, it's made me feel better. When David was victorious in all his battles, Saul has killed thousands, David has killed ten thousands, David credited God. When Saul's assaults on his life were missed, David gave God the credit. When innocent blood was taken on David's behalf, he mourned the loss of life because these people were children of God. David was promoted from watching and protecting sheep to king of God's people. And he always referred to himself as servant. When David messed up, and we're going to spend next week looking at how David messed up. He messed up. He owned it. He begged. When it was brought to his attention, he begged for help and forgiveness from the Lord. You will never be a person after the heart of God if you do not live in a spirit of humility. So next week, we're going to talk more about this particular aspect of humility because David had to deal with some earthly consequences from decisions that he made. And we're going to look at how he handled those consequences. We're going to look at how he lived out after he was called to the table. What did he do? Was he proud? Was he boastful? Or did he step up and own it and say, you know what, I did those things and I'm going to deal with it. So you can't have that conversation about David's life without really getting into humility. The second major characteristic of being a person after God's own heart has to do with what Paul said in Acts chapter 13. In verse 22, we pointed it out, he will do everything I want him to do. He will do everything that I want him to do. Now, that certainly doesn't mean that he was perfect. We know that he wasn't perfect. But he will do the things that I want him to do. And, and, and so it was said to me at Sermon Team, David lived in harmony with the Lord. And, and I think if you're going to be a man after somebody's heart, you're going to live in harmony with that person. You're going to live in harmony with that example. I love our sermon team and the insights, the perspectives that each person brings to the table. Ricky comes and Caleb's there. And Bob Kapler came the other day. Ed Perry. These guys, they come and we sit and we, we talk about upcoming sermons and we talk about these things. And we're talking about today, a few weeks back. And the conversation landed on obedience. 
And, and it, it wasn't said that, that David was obedient out of obligation. David wasn't obedient because he had to check the boxes so that, so that he could get into heaven. David was obedient because that is what was important to God. And there's a big difference. David desired to please the Lord with his every action. It's, it, it's, it's, the, it's the wish of every parent that their kids will want to want to obey them. Not obey them because I've just got to tolerate you in my time here, or, or you're the nagging mom, or you're the, the forceful dad, or whatever. Every, the, the desire of every parent here is that our kids will want to be obedient to the rules of our house because that is harmonious. So David desired to please the Lord with his every action. Harmony with the Lord is this. What is important to God is important to me. That's, that's David's life. What's important to God is also important to me. So how do we know what's important to God? I mean, how do we know that? Well, I mean, you know this. We're not going to dwell on this, but His Word that He has given to us. And here's the thing about David being a man after God's own heart. He loved God's Word. Now, I mean, he didn't get to carry around, you know, electronic devices that, that, that had dozens of translations on it, had commentaries that went with it. He, he didn't have access to God's Word the way we have access to God's Word. He had to work to be in tune with God. And if you remember when he was anointed, the, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him, rested on him, and it changed him drastically. You and I have access to that, that same Holy Spirit today. We have that as followers of Jesus Christ. And I wonder, as a, as a culture, do we love the Word of God the way David loved God's Word? You may not know this, but this was, this was intentional. On May 21st, um, when, when we started our, our series on the Minor Prophets, we started reading, as our Scripture reading, Psalm 119. And, and Psalm 119, in fairness, okay, this is one of those psalms that we don't know the exact author, okay? But most theologians give David the credit because of the ties to so many other psalms that he wrote. Psalm 119 is the longest book chapter in the Bible. It's longer than some books in the New Testament. Psalm 119 is 176 verses long. 171 of those verses mentioned in some form God's Word, God's command, His statutes, His precepts, His decrees. 176 verses, 171 of those verses mention the Word of God. And so for every week, for 20 plus weeks, 
we would stand here and we would read, and you would read on the screen some of the things that David would say. Like, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than a thousand pieces of silver and gold. I think Chuck Swindoll said it. Psalm 119 is not about the topic of Scripture, of, of getting Scripture into your life. Instead, it's the honest words that erupt when what God says gets into you. And that's the very thing that happened to David when he became this Spirit-filled man. God's words got into him and his life was completely changed. Harmony. What is important to God becomes important to me. I was thinking about some of those random excerpts from Psalm 119. Is your soul consumed with longing for God's law at all times? All times, David writes. My soul is consumed with longing for God's law at all times. Promise you yesterday. There's a lot. There's a nice little stretch of time yesterday where I was focused on one thing and one thing only. It wasn't my soul being consumed with God's laws. And do you do you read the scriptures each morning, and do you look at it as this is more precious than thousands of pieces of silver and gold? Are the instructions that you read, are they a delight? David's like, I, I read this stuff and it's a delight to my life. So often we read it and say it's a burden of something else that has to be done. It says your law is counsel and how I'm to live. Is His Word a lamp for your feet and a light for your path? David was a man after God's own heart because he lived in harmony with the Lord. The things that were important to God are the things that became important to David. Saul is a man who is rejected. Because he flirted with the external. He, he flirted with coming to church. He flirted with the, the sacrifices. He, he flirted with all the public stuff, but on a personal level. He did his own things. As we close, I want to pray Psalm 1 over us today.
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Lord, I pray that prayer over our church today. May we be a people who delight in Your law. May we be a people who desires to meditate on Your Word day and night. Father, may we bear the fruit in our lives that David bared all because the things that are important to You become important to us. May we be known as people who are after Your own heart. May we be known as people who are becoming like Jesus. Who reflect Jesus to the world. Not just with our actions with our words. With our attitude. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for giving this to us. Amen.